Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Dean Blundell Network proudly brings to you your favorite NFL podcast on the network, the loudmouth Chris Phillips, the brewmaster Steve Fisher, the Ball Hawks podcast. All right, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Ball Hawks podcast. We are coming to you uh, a little different today on this rainy Sunday afternoon. I, it's been, I don't know, maybe like 50, 60 days since we've seen rain here. So uh, I know my family, my kids, my wife was the most excited about how much rain there was. She's like, we're going to go play in puddles. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of crazy when you, you look out the door and and I know most of BC is like this, and uh, you can't really see across the street from you because the smoke has gone in uh, so thick. Uh, yeah, just everybody was super pumped for rain. I know there was people in northern BC that got hit by rain, and everyone was just kind of excited about it. So hopefully that's going to help those uh, fire crews on the ground control some of that stuff. Um, I am joined here by my co-host... Christopher Zazu Phillips. Zazu. Oh, no. Zazu. Zazu. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I was actually going to just like cut the recording off and you're out. You're out, bud. (laughs) I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, tiddly lady. Yeah, no, I'm not going to lie. It did take me a second, but I was like, oh, yeah, no, like that's Lion King. Um, It's funny that you mentioned the the muddy puddles. I, I saying to you we you know went out and went for a walk in the rain today and i'm telling olivia my six-year-old daughter i'm like watch out for the puddles she goes but dad i like muddy puddles i go i know you like muddy puddles peppa pig but let's not step in them right now like she's so every time she goes dad i like muddy puddles because she just she's obsessed with peppa pig is most funny most Children her age are, I'm sure. Um, my wife can't stand Peppa Pig, though. Um, I don't mind it. I don't know about you, but uh, happy to be back. Episode 23, of course. Uh, please uh, give me a follow over on Twitter at PhillipsChris12. I see Steve going, ah, oh, crap, I forgot again. So don't forget Steve <laughs> over at uh, SSFisher87. And uh, please follow the podcast account as well at ballhawks underscore pod. Uh, and uh, what's going on, Steve? Yeah, I, I was just so uh, scatterbrained. Obviously, you know, you see the rain for the first time in however. First time in forever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we just took my son, obviously, uh, Sienna got to come as well, but Easton got to go to his first uh movie at the theaters today we got to watch a little space jam and um he was so tired at some points i thought he was just gonna fall asleep which was kind of cute and towards the end of the movie he just gets right up on his chair when when they uh they defeat the goon squad and he's just clapping so loud and he's the only one in a theater of like 80 people clapping he's yeah just so pumped uh, that the Toon Squad defeated the Goon Squad, and I was like, 
wait a second, you're still awake? Like you haven't, <laughs> you haven't even flinched in the last hour and now you're clapping. So no, those are always fun, right? The, the first time you get to go to a theater. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, uh, I still remember Olivia's first movie. We took her to, uh, Coco was her first movie. Nice. And, uh, luckily it was a fairly empty theater cause Olivia was up and down the road. I think she sat up, she was sitting on the stairs at one point in time. Oh, no. Uh, she was talking. She was, yeah, we, uh, Carter hasn't quite made it to the theater yet because he's just not he's not ready. <laughs> we, we try to do uh, movie night in the Phillips household on Friday nights and um, Carter will sit still while he's eating dinner. because we'll, we'll, we'll do like, you know, pizza in a movie. We'll eat the pizza on the couch or whatever. And and yeah, he'll he'll sit still. while He's got his pizza. Once he's done that pizza, he's like, nope, I'm out. See you. <laughs> Whereas like Olivia is just super, super sucked in, super enthralled in, yeah. in whatever we're watching. Um, yeah. But yeah. What, what, what did you think of Space Jam, Dad? Oh, I, I felt like it was a little too. Like we, we obviously go there for the kids. Like, yes, I saw Space Jam when I was a kid. Uh, of course, I'm going to see the sequel to it. But if it's for a kid, I feel like they kind of missed the mark on like relating it to kids. There's a lot of inside jokes and a lot of, you know, sports references to LeBron that my kids are never going to get at five and three years old. Right. So, um, but, you, you know, but it was like fun, though. It, it was it was I still fun. It was good. I feel like every kid's movie is like that, though, right? Like you go back and re you rewatch um, Shrek is a, is a great example, right? It's a kid's movie, air quote. But, uh, you know, you go back and rewatch re it now that you're an adult and you're like, there's actually a lot of adult humor in this movie, yeah. right? So I feel like every every kid's movie is kind of like that. And they, they do that on purpose to, you know, make it so that the parents aren't wanting to fall asleep like your son was almost doing today i i don't know yeah. but how how uh one of the coolest things i i found about the this newest space jam movie was during the the game between the toon squad and the goon squad um all of the warner brothers characters that were there watching the game like i, I was paying yeah almost more attention to the you know who's in who's in the crowd than i was watching the game and even like I'm, i remember at one point we were you know um they you you could see the i think it's the the mystery gang from scooby scooby doo yeah. is that what yeah. they're called and olivia noticed them because we we watched uh scoob uh, okay. the, the newest scooby doo movie and olivia goes dad look it's those people from that movie with like the dog <laughs> in the van and I'm like, yeah kiddo that is them and like we saw um the animaniacs oh cool which they just yeah they just rebooted that uh tv show not too long ago i've watched a couple episodes with the kids and you know saw them in, in space jam 2 and Olivia goes look dad it's those, it's those three people i was telling you about yeah and so yeah that that part was pretty cool um wanna know what i did today yeah let's hear it and this this is proof that i'm uh three weeks away from uh being 35 Oof. <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, laying on the couch watching cartoons with Olivia. Uh, she's, you know, laying, laying partially on, on my chest there or whatever. And I like lifted my left arm up over my head as we are laying on the couch. And I don't know what I've done, but I <laughs> am still sore. I had like the biggest, like, I don't know if it was like a cramp, if I pulled something, but like 
right in like you can see where I'm grabbing at here, like right basically like my left I don't know, is that my breast? Can I say breast? <laughs> um, like all the way up into my shoulder. Did something. Like I couldn't even I can't even pick up my kids right now. So I, I did something. And this is not the only time we've heard of Chris being injured in a very subpar fashion. Like Yeah. Like maybe like, you know you're gonna be on a podcast. Maybe think of like a cool way you could have spun it. Like at that exact moment a, a snake appeared and bit me on the shoulder, causing me to flail like furiously as I protected I, my kid. I snatched it out of the air and <laughs> choked life out of it now i'm something better I'm than i'm old and i just reached and yes i uh, yeah, i'm old and i hurt and myself laying on the couch yeah just yeah just <laughs> go ahead and start digging the grave <laughs> well this is a perfect segue chris because uh one of the first things i want to chat about today uh on our around the nfl kind of thing we've been doing the last little bit during these dog days of summer uh is the carson wentz injury Obviously, he hurt something in his foot. I don't know what the actual response was or, you know, what those details were, but it it sounded like he's not going for surgery right away and they're checking to see if it will naturally heal by itself. But um, wh- whether you think Wentz is washed up or not, I think this is a pretty big blow to the Colts at the start of the season. These are... Uh, you know, playoff contenders with a competent quarterback. What what did you think? Yeah, I, I saw a few different rumors floating around that, you know, could it, it's a bone and a ligament. I saw one person um, say that, you know, maybe it's a Liz Frank injury, which Jesus, oh, yeah. Liz Frank injury is missing the season. Yeah. Um, and I, I was talking to my dad about it uh, tonight when we were up there for dinner and, and my dad, had mentioned the same thing about because I, I actually hadn't seen that yet that he was you know holding off on surgery for, for now to to wait and see what happens i'm like is he stupid like just go yeah. get it like go and get it fixed now the season's still like just over a month away go and get it fixed now maybe you miss the start of the season but if you wait and and try to like oh maybe it's going to naturally naturally heal or maybe I can play through it. Well, now all of a sudden you're getting surgery a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now. Now you're missing that much more time in the regular season, which affects the Colts. I mean, I don't care if he misses the start of the season because the Seahawks play the Colts in in week one. Not that I'm worried about Carson Wentz playing or not. I still think Seattle wins that game, but. <laughs> Um, it's actually funny. I was looking on some of like the, the betting websites and the Seahawks were uh, surprisingly, um, dogs in that game. The, the, Hmm. the Colts were the favorite, which I should have hammered it. I should have threw a bunch of money on it last night. Uh, cause I went and checked this morning and it has been pulled from websites. Um, cause of course everyone's like, well, like everyone's going to be throwing a bunch of money at the Seahawks right now. So we better take this off so we don't lose a crap ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, seeing the Ravens play the Colts last year, uh, just kind of following them in their push to get a wild card spot when the Ravens were also trying to get a wild card spot. That team is sneaky dangerous. They, that defense is wild, like wildly underrated. Um, they've got 
playmakers on all three levels. That offensive line is maybe one of the top five in the entire NFL. You've got that three-headed monster running back uh, committee now. Uh, they they lost some pieces, obviously. Uh, or wait, did they? I'm trying to think back. Uh, but it, you know they don't they not, don't have a lot. Not of, really. Yeah, they just don't have a lot of weapons on the outside for a guy like Wentz. But um, definitely disappointing for them. I I think they were you know, going to be contending for that division um, now without Carson Wentz. And don't get me wrong. I don't think Carson Wentz is the be all end all, but he is competent enough. He's proven that he's competent in a Frank Reich system. Uh, so probably pushes them possibly out of a wild card. Definitely not the division. They're not going to contend against the, the Titans. Um, yeah, tough, tough break for them. Um, let's go over to the AFC North a little bit here. Uh, our buddy Ted was pretty pumped to see that the Browns have extended Nick Chubb for three years. Uh, he got a $36.6 million extension. What, what do you think of that? That puts him as the sixth highest paid running back. Really? What is that? 12 million a year and he's only the sixth highest? Yeah, highest? 12.2 a year. It puts him... Uh, one ahead of Aaron Jones at 12 million and just behind Derrick Henry at 12.5. Hmm. Um, you know, smart little piece of business by, by the Browns. Um, I'm a big Nick Chubb fan. Um, I still regret trading him last year in our keeper league. Um, but he's somebody that like, Anybody who I'll, you know, I'll always talk up Nick Chubb when we're talking, when I'm talking fantasy football with anybody, I'm like, draft Nick Chubb. Like the fact that Nick, Nick Chubb somehow falls to the second round in so many leagues, I, I'll never understand. He's just so underappreciated. And it's probably because he plays for the Browns and everyone just kind of poo poos on them, on, <laughs> on them. Is no pun intended. Funny, like he, he, I agree with you. He gets overlooked. But the fact that he's putting up, uh, you know, RB1 numbers, both in real football and fantasy football, and he has to split time or like he's constantly getting pressed for time with uh, Kareem Hunt just goes to show you if he was a true bell cow, like a McCaffrey, like, you know, a Dalvin Cook or a Zeke Elliott, what this guy could be the best running back in the league. Yeah, and and it's I mean it's definitely a contract that, um, I mean he's going into his age like he'll be twenty six at at the end of the year like he, he turns twenty six late in December, um, so definitely a contract that I think he's I mean he's probably going to outplay that that contract right like you know a, a year or two from now we're like Nick Chubb only makes twelve million twelve million a year like what a value then. Like I said, it you know tidy little piece of business by by the Browns, um, smart business by by them extending him early, um, and rather than you know going into holdout scenarios and and all that other crap. Yeah, I think you're right there. It's gonna show probably in a couple of years when the salary cap because they just signed that mega deal. Um, it's gonna show in a couple of years what a value that is. And it just goes to show that in the NFL, I'm a huge believer in getting those deals done 
earlier rather than later so you are not paying an inflated price when you know he's not resetting that running back market but clearly his agent said we want to be paid like a top five running back and so a top five running back years ago is obviously going to be a little bit less and a top five running back in three years or four years I'm not sure how many he has left on the initial contract um, is going to be even bigger and it's going to look like a huge bargain so um, you know he's in his that last need to sign year their quarterback contract to do it what's that Sorry, uh, we're talking over each other there. He, he's in the last year of his rookie contract, right? Because when he was a second yes. round pick, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he has a first uh, that first year option on his contract. No, that's that's only uh, listening to uh, you know one of my I guess favorite podcasts um, with a uh, first round NFL draft pick. He he kind of laments all the time that like he's a if I could go back, I wish I was a second second round draft pick so I didn't have that fifth year option and yeah. you know be able to sign that that bigger contract, you know, one year sooner because then that means you get to sign that third contract that much sooner too, right? Especially those guys that fall to like the end of the first round, like those late twenties or the thirties picks. They're like I'm sure ego has a little bit to do with it, but if you get to start negotiating that deal a bit earlier and they can't really use that fifth year option to sort of devalue you if you've vastly outplayed it. Yeah. Um, like uh, Jamal Adams. <laughs> like Jamal Adams. It's exactly what we've been talking about with that contract the whole time. He's like, I'm outplaying my original deal. And yeah, the, the Seahawks would be stupid if they didn't use his fifth year option. Like that's part of the allure of that. And that's nobody's fault except for the NFL and NFLPA when they you know, do their CBAs. You have to yeah, get rid of I, it there. I guess I, I, I will say that is kind of an interesting thing though. Hey, like that he was drafted by the jets in the first round, traded by the jets to the Seahawks. Um, and the Seahawks still get to pick up that fifth yeah. year option, even though he wasn't their first, like it almost makes you wonder, like, is you know, is that something that maybe the, the union should, try to negotiate in the next CBA is that like, you know, if you trade a guy while he's still in his uh, rookie contract, that fifth year option no longer exists. Yeah. Or maybe you're going to start seeing first round players sign those contracts. Like uh, Zach Wilson was just holding out until I I believe it was today or yesterday. Uh, You know, maybe that's the kind of language that start, we start to see in these types of contracts so that the players have a little more uh, voice to it. A little more power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let, let's stick with one more signing, obviously uh, being a Ravens fan here. Um, the Ravens signed and agreed to a one year deal pending a physical with uh, edge rusher linebacker, whatever you want to call him. Uh, Justin Houston, formerly of Kansas city. And this one has been talked about all off season. So if you're a Ravens fan, you have heard the name. Uh, uh, Melvin Ingram has been linked to them. Justin Houston has been linked to them. And it's kind of just been, uh, you know, when, 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 when. He's still on the FA block. Like, why is a deal not getting done? And so one of the coolest, or in my opinion, coolest reports that came out out of this whole thing was he had offers from other teams and 
he actually said that he wanted to take a bit of a pay cut to play for uh, the Ravens. And it turns out one of those teams was an AFC North rival. And I didn't ever see or hear or read about which rival that was, but there was talks that potentially it could have been Pittsburgh, which would be awesome. Um, Anytime you take away a player that another team is eyeing up to bolster their roster, um, you know, it's almost like a double win for you. So he agreed to a one year, $4 million, 4 million bucks. Yes. He's 32 years old. He's not in his prime, but it's $4 million. His cap hit is two point. I should have wrote these down. I think it's just short of three. I want to say it's like two or sorry, it's just over two, like 2.075 or 2.095. He has incentives that uh, can make it up to four million. I think it was some of the incentives were like Pro Bowl nods or how many sacks or there's probably playing time in there. Kind of those traditional escalators. But what a deal for the Ravens to bring in a position that they ha- they're they really hoping on a lot of young guys right now to bring in a guy who is a veteran guy who plays exactly how you need him to in that edge spot that the Ravens love to use. Um, and at, at such an affordable price, like they did not break the bank for it. And uh, so he's coming in to do his physical and uh harbaugh also said that he does need to get vaccinated before he steps on the field so that was good to see that coaches are kind of being a little transparent with that and then on the opposite side i don't know if you saw this one i we didn't talk about this beforehand but um i guess someone was doing a video of the browns training camp and Jadavian Clowney was doing some <laughs> did you see this yeah, yeah your laugh gives it away so <laughs> I'll try and explain this as best I can they've got those like tall kind of like bag dummy tackling dummies yeah the tackling dummies and you're supposed yeah. to be like swatting them you know right left right left and I think there's like five of them and the first couple he's getting his footwork and then his feet just don't catch up with his brain and where everything is. And he falls so hard onto his face. And someone tweeted out how uh, that's his former first round uh, first overall pick status shining through with that. It's OK, Jadavian, as uh, somebody who hurt himself laying on the couch today. <laughs> Um, I understand and, uh, sports are hard. (laughs) Sportsing (laughs) is hard. Um, the last one, obviously this happened earlier in the week. Uh, Aaron Rodgers obviously came back, ended his holdout, uh, lots of hilarious videos like David Bakhtiari getting him a golf cart, Austin Martin, um, just Oh, man, I love David Bakhtiari. He is the funniest athlete I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but Rodgers, he he kind of laid it out for the media. He he held back, but he he did it in a way that he didn't hold back. Hey, eh? like, I'm not sure if you watched a lot of that press conference or anything or, or read about it, but it sounds like he kind of aired everything out to them. 
um, bad sports guy. And and I, I guess full disclosure as well, I had a really busy week at work all week. <laughs> so I just, I wasn't, I, I, I saw the Aston Martin thing and like, I kind of like so skipped funny. through, the, like I saw someone post and I was like, ah, I'll, I'll quickly watch this. And like, I skipped through the video pretty quickly. Um, I saw, I saw the license plate where it was like, Lovin' 69 or 69 Lovin' or something like that, which I uh, I, I certainly appreciated. Um, 69, for anybody who's not aware, is, is Bakhtiari's uh, jersey number. Um, not just, uh, you know, me being a pervert, but it also is me being a pervert. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I didn't see the press conference. Like I said, I, I was too busy at, at work this week, and then um when i wasn't at work i was on dad duty and doing my best to avoid the world so for anyone else who was like chris and had their head buried in the sand a couple key points kind of stood out to me and clearly by what everybody was tweeting afterwards um he said the this started with a conversation in february as the season ended i expressed my desire to be more involved in conversations directly affecting my job and he kind of kept going back to that, how he wants to be involved in conversations because it will help him do his job better, which, you know what, whether you think he's being a diva or not, he's absolutely, he's a diva. okay, sure, let's call him a diva, <laughs> I don't really care. Um, you know I'm a hater though. But. He's absolutely right. Like, if I had something that was hindering me from doing my job, I would be in my boss, my supervisor, whoever's ear saying, I need to be a part of these conversations to make like allow me to effectively do my job. And so he kind of this is where I, maybe more of the diva side came out of him. And I don't know if he had this written down or he just kind of went off cuff. But he said, I want to offer my services as a recruiter. I think we can all understand Green Bay isn't a huge vacation destination. <laughs> People are coming here to play with me to play with our team and knowing that they can win a championship here. The fact that I haven't been in those discussions was, uh, was one I wanted to change moving forward. I feel like based on my years, the way I can still play that I should be a natural part of the conversation, which you know what? It kind of makes sense. He's been there longer than a lot of the management has, right? He knows this team inside and out. He knows the style of play that he has. Yes, you have a new head coach, um, but he absolutely should be involved in these conversations. And I think that's what it comes down to. When you have a three-time NFL MVP, Super Bowl uh, MVP, you kind of have to treat them a little different, whether you want to do that or not. I'm, I'm kind of on the side where it's like, well, you're just one player in a list of players, but... He he's kind of gained his merits enough to say I should be a part of these conversations uh, moving forward. Like I think Russ was this offseason as well, right? I I, I was going to say like, you know, I, I, I just said that Aaron is is a diva. And um, I followed that up saying I'm, I'm a hater <laughs> and um, I, I know I'm a hater. I, I still think Aaron Rodgers has the most punchable face in the entire NFL. Especially with his own <laughs> um, hair. What's that? Especially with his long hair? Uh, no, just, I just, he's just, yeah, he's <laughs> got a very punchable face. Okay. Can't, I can't stand his face. Um, Fair. Right after that is, is 
probably and this this goes back a number of years this hatred because more recently I, I haven't really hated on this guy as much um but right after aaron Rodgers is cam newton and um <laughs> <laughs> okay i yeah i you know what it is i probably just hate guys that smile when they play football i don't know fair um i kind of yeah. like it it's a little evil yeah and clearly well yeah but like you just uh, i don't know anyways yeah. um Russ did very similar things this offseason with, you know, I'm getting hit too much. I don't want to be hit so much and I want a better offensive line and blah, 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 blah. Um, so Aaron, you know, yeah, he's well within his rights. It, it, you know, regardless of his status of, you know, three MVP, Super Bowl MVP, whatever, um, he's the franchise. He's the franchise quarterback. Your franchise quarterback should have a say in the roster makeup um and who is going to help him do his job better um because if he's doing like just think about that for a second like Aaron Rodgers won the MVP award last year and if he's saying I want to say in the roster makeup and team personnel to do my job better does that not put you in a better position to win football games, win playoff games and potentially win a Super Bowl? Right. right. Um, so it, you just have to look at it from, from that aspect as well. And, you know, of course, you know, immediately after they go, go out and trade for Randall Cobb, who is a guy that Aaron was, um, you know, always upset to see leave green Bay. Um, so yeah, so it, it, he's well, like I said, well within his rights, um, can't fault the guy one bit as much as I hate him and as much as I'm going to say he's a diva. Um, you know, my quarterback did the same thing with his offensive line this off season and these franchise quarterbacks, uh, absolutely should have a say in who is going to help them, uh, succeed. Yeah. And to be honest, Sure, you can call Aaron Rodgers or Russ a diva because they feel like they've been slighted. But at the same time, these things are happening from the GMs as well. Like, um, it, it just reminded me when you were talking about how they signed Cobb. Now, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure in his own press conference, uh, Packers GM Brian Gutekunst said something about like, yeah, you know, we did sign Randall. And uh, I think without Aaron pushing for him, we probably wouldn't have made that move. So now he's overtly saying that. And I think because it's gone to the media so much, they're kind of overtly saying things. But, you know, behind closed doors and conversations, these jabs or, you know, acting like divas to each other happens all the time. So whether a player's doing it, whether a GM's doing it, um, it's a business, but it's also a business of personal relationships. So when you mix the two of those things together, you're always going to get a level of drama when things don't end the way you would like them to, right? I don't think we'd hear anything of this if the Packers won the Super Bowl last year. I think a lot of this kind of goes away. But you get a guy that wants to win so bad, and he's saying, this is why we're not winning, um, kind of comes to fruition in other ways. So let's, uh, we, we would kind of be doing a disservice to our team, I guess, if we didn't give everybody a little recap or an update of how training camp has gone early for both of our teams. So what are some of the highlights coming uh, out of Seattle, Chris? 
Yeah, um, I guess the the biggest news out of Seattle is um, Jamal Adams is there, um, but he's walking around in a hoodie um, (laughs) underneath his jersey, hasn't put a helmet on yet. Uh, So he's not practicing. He's obviously, um, you know, looking out for himself and keeping himself healthy for that new contract um, and won't practice until he gets that new contract. Uh, Dwayne Brown isn't practicing either. Um, Some are saying that it could be holding out for a new contract. Um, Some are saying that it could just be, I mean, he's 36 years old and he doesn't need to be practicing on August 1st um, and, you know, can wait till later in in the preseason and the the training camp program to, to get going. But I'm sure there are some some contract implications there as well. Um, as far as like standouts, um, I, I, I saw a few things today. Akella Witherspoon has made, uh, or I think today in practice, yesterday in practice, something like that. Um, made a couple of really big plays, uh, breaking up some some touchdowns. He broke up a touchdown that was uh, headed to Gerald Everett. Uh, he made a good one on one play against DK Metcalf. Um, so so. Pretty promising things uh, coming from him. Uh, and then the other guy that I wanted to point out was Marquise Blair. Uh, coming back from ACL injury last year. Uh, he's apparently looked really good so far in camp. He's a, played a little bit at the nickel corner spot. Uh, he's played a little bit at the safety spot with Jamal not there as well. Uh, Mar- Marquise Blair, for those of you that don't know, uh, is actually a natural safety that the Seahawks were moving down to uh be that nickel corner last year uh, before he tore his ACL. Um, so he's he's pretty versatile in, in that sense that he can play uh, safety if needed. Uh, but the Seahawks really want to try him at, at nickel corner. Um, I think he missed practice yesterday. Uh, Pete was saying something about he got kicked in the heel or something like that. So it just uh, took a, a, a maintenance day yesterday. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give you a little... Uh a little pat on the back for this one. And for anyone who has been following our podcast, you have been super high on Witherspoon uh, since getting him from San Francisco. I think it was you. It must've been you tweeting out that you love the move, but you wish they would have been able to sign a longer contract. Am I right on that one? Hate the, the one year contract. He's a 25 year old corner. Yeah. What do you like? Or 24, like, he, he's still super young. Like, why are you signing this guy to a one-year deal that is potentially just going to blow up in your face and he's going to go sign somewhere next year for, you know, mega bucks? Yeah, and I, I'm i trying to... I was trying to remember if we'd talked about this or not, but when a guy is that young, he probably didn't want the term, right? Like, I, I'm thinking he was in we, the driver's seat for that, yeah. term. Um And you know what, like as much as you hate to see a good young player who let's say he does blow up in Seattle this year, you hate to see him go somewhere else and, you know, sign a mega contract because you're missing the player. You got to remember that you're at the very least going to get a comp pick back in some form. Um, So I, I used to think the same way. And then I'm like, you know what? If they leave after that one year, they've helped you make a Super Bowl run because I I think the Seahawks are, you know, at at the very least a wild card contending team in the NFC. And, you know, he's a serviceable player. If he's playing out of his mind, that means he probably helped you get to there. 
And then if he does sign big money, good for him and his family. But he's uh, he's going to at least fetch you probably a third round comp pick. Um, and sorry, I just wanted to add one yeah. more um, piece there about the Seahawks training camp, which has me a little bit nervous talking about, you know, guys that are standing out and guys that are playing well or, or, or what have you. Um, the, the Seahawks first pick um, from this previous draft wide receiver D Eskridge has not practiced yet. Um, he's apparently dealing with a toe injury. I, be, I believe oh, is no. what they're saying. Um, and, and Pete said there is currently no timeline for his return, which if this is two years in a row that the Seahawks first pick, um, cause last year was, uh, Daryl Taylor, uh, didn't play a single game all last year. And now, uh, D Eskridge all of a sudden misses the start of the season or misses a bunch of time because of a toe injury. Like that's a really bad look for the Seahawks. And I mean, this guy is supposed to be coming in to be our third wide receiver. So now all of a sudden we're looking at, you know, uh, uh, Freddie Swain or Penny Hart, John or Sua, um, to come in to try to win that third receiver spot, which I mean, all those, those three guys were on the team last year and the Seahawks <laughs> used their first pick on a receiver this year. So yeah. uh, it doesn't make you feel very confident going into the season for sure. Yeah, that kind of sounds like you're waiting for some training camp cuts at that point to see who is available for you. Or maybe you're proactive and you say, OK, you have a, a plethora of young receivers. Here's a fifth round pick to pluck one of them for you that you would have had to cut anyways. Or waiting for uh, Josh Gordon to be reinstated, maybe. Right. It, that That is totally a possibility, right? It, there, there's a lot yeah. of options, but I think you're right. If he's your third guy and behind him are guys that couldn't win that position last year, uh, you're definitely looking elsewhere for it. Yeah, what's uh, what's happening over in uh, Ravens camp? I, I saw one video and I, I, I know you're going to talk about it, so let, yeah. let's hear I mean, I might as well, since we're talking about wide receivers, I think that's, you know, it's been something they've talked about all off season, but it's also something I feel like when you talk about it all off season, people really want to watch for it during training camp to see like, you know, is all of this hype worth what we've been waiting for? And so uh, reports are that James Prochet late round pick last year has looked really good. There's a video of him uh, working the jugs machine at some pretty high speed. And he was like maybe like 12 inches away from the jugs machine, just catching everything. Solid hands, solid hands. And it turns out uh, he's doing that in practice. Sammy Watkins apparently looks fresh, healthy. He's all over the field. He's making plays. That's a good sign. But the one you're talking about uh, is first round pick Rashad Bateman. You know, just a beautiful press release on our all pro cornerback Marlon Humphrey gets the release, gets outside on him, burns up field, showing that fast speed of him, gets the separation, catches the back shoulder fade. Uh, there was a little scary moment there when I first watched it and somebody actually slowed it down. The very end of it, Marlon Humphrey steps on uh, Rashad Bateman's foot. And you can kind of see Marlon's ankle kind of weird and Rashad kind of falls over. Uh, it looks like nothing hopefully came from that. Rashad Bateman did leave practice just saying like it's training camp. I'm sore. 
Uh, but it looked really good. I know Raven's Nation was just all over it because we've been starving for a wide receiver who can be the number one. And man, does he look every part of it. So that's super fun. Yeah, a, a lot of people, um, you know, anointing him as uh, this draft class or this season's Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'm going to have to, uh, you know, after seeing Marlowe get burned by a rookie like that, maybe I'm going to have to move Marlowe a few notches down on that <laughs> uh, that uh, cornerback rankings, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I sent this to you earlier, but it's finally at the spot where the Ravens receivers are now challenging those DBs and iron sharpens iron, man. Like, you know, that pissed Humphrey off so bad that he's, he's coming back with a vengeance. And I'm sure next practice (laughs) they have, um, he's going to remember that and he's going to try and win that battle. So it's good to see him get challenged. Got to make you a little nervous for, for when they put the pads on. Yeah, a little bit, right? I mean, it's going to be, who knows, like maybe 90 degree weather and you always hear about training camp fights. Uh, <laughs> that could be one of those ones that and it, <clears throat> if it happens, it wouldn't bother me. It would just be, OK, two very competitive guys trying to be the best in their field. They might smack each other in the helmets and wrestle each other to the ground. OK, separate, get back at it because you're going to yeah. be lining up again. And that's the other funny thing with with um, training camp, though, right, is that like here we are talking about guys like looking good, making plays, doing this and that, this, that and the other thing. And they don't even have pads on yet. Right. Like, yeah. um, you know, let, let's maybe uh, temper our expectations a little bit um, and, and see how things look when when they have pads on and and they can actually make contact. I, I, I saw a thing, um, you know, it was in regards to. Akella Witherspoon making a play. I can't remember if it was when he made the play on um, DK or when he made the play on on Gerald Everett on the uh, you know what was expected to be a touchdown. It was like there, there's still rules in place where the DBs can't make contact with the wide receivers, right? right. So um, l- let's see what what happens when they can you know start putting hands on each other and and uh, and and hit, hitting each other, um, which is of course when we're going to start seeing those training camp fight videos as well. Yeah. And I mean, I never played high level football or anything like that, but I know the game is totally different when you have full pads and helmets on. Some guys just can't play without pads and helmets on. So like you said, we'll see. Um, On the defensive side, there were some really good standouts. Um, Second year defensive tackle, Justin Matabike uh, was routinely blowing up the backfield. He was making plays and just stopping the play you know, right off the bat, which is really huge because there's been talks, you know, uh, Brandon Williams is getting a little long in the tooth, as you like to say. Um, His contract is also big. So if we have that natural replacement, you don't like to see a guy go, but uh, it is a business. And if the next man up is there ready to take the throne, that would be awesome. Um, And then there was some conversation, obviously, with Justin Houston being signed. All eyes were on the outside linebackers, the edge rushers, and uh, one of the younger guys, uh, Jalen Ferguson. He has kind of gone unnoticed or hasn't had the best start to camp, whereas first-round pick Owe and fifth-round pick Dalen Hayes 
have had really, really strong starts. Like I think Owe at one point was chasing down, uh, obviously Lamar's out with COVID. So Trace McSorley was in there and Trace McSorley is a fast guy. Like there's a reason why they've drafted him and they've got Tyler Huntley to kind of mimic what Lamar Jackson does. And Owe at like 6'6", what is he, 250, 260, uh, was chasing down McSorley with no problem whatsoever. So that's always fun to see those new young edge rushers coming up. And now they're talking about like before it was a position of potential weakness. We're hoping on a lot of rookie power to now having the rookies showing up strong, having Justin Houston come in. Now there's kind of like a log jam uh, and it's a position of strength, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, probably hit training camp up next week as well to see where they're at there. Like you said, the pads are going to be on soon. It's going to be lots of fun to see kind of like mini football coming back. Um, but we yeah. have our, uh, we have our second week of our third down episode here. So why don't you let everybody know what we did last week and kind of where we're going. Yeah, um, like like you said, uh, pads are going to be on soon. Um, we are a few days away from our first preseason game, the, the of course, Hall of Fame game. Um, I don't know when the Ravens play their first preseason game. The Seahawks' first preseason, preseason game is uh, uh, August 14th. So, um, you know, as much as I... I don't watch a whole preseason game, but I'll, I'll turn it on to, you know, see what's going on and, you know, catch the starters, maybe catch a little bit of the backups as well. So I'm pretty excited for that. Um, third down. Uh, I mean, of course, last week uh, we broke down our, uh, you know, all time uh, Ravens and Seahawks starting offense, um, you know, starting 11 for offense. Um, we didn't talk beforehand. We, um, you know, as far as, you know, lineups and who includes what do we do a fullback or, or a fullback? Do we not include a fullback? Do we go three wide receivers like I did? Um, and of course this week, just to continue on that trend, uh, we want to do our all time, uh, Ravens and Seahawks starting defense. Um, again, we didn't communicate beforehand. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we can probably guess as to, you know, which way each guy's going to go. I'm sure, uh, Steve's going to do a three, four defense. I'm going to do a four, three defense. Um, just cause traditionally that's what our teams have, uh, have done. And that's what our team, you know, the Ravens have traditionally been three, four Seahawks have been, been traditionally four, three. Um, but anyways, uh, of course, uh, you know, this week, again, Steve's on the Seahawks. I'm on, on the Ravens, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're going to break it down for you guys. But Steve's going to go first. Uh, so, Steve, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I, you All want right. me to go first, eh? Yeah, let's uh, – I think you went first last week. So, yeah, you can go uh, first again this week. Let's hear your uh, uh, Seahawks, uh, a- a.k.a. Ravens, <laughs> um, starting defense. Okay, let's do this. Third down. Um, you are right. And I thought the exact same thing. Again, we didn't converse this or anything, but traditionally those are the defenses the teams have employed most frequently. Um, so I'm starting on defensive end. 
Uh, one of my defensive ends is going to be Haloti Nada. One of my favorite guys. He's just so quiet, but so disruptive. Um, he was always such a presence on s stuffing the run, but also getting penetration from the D-tackle, D-end. He kind of shifted around the line a bunch, so I had to put him in there. Uh, on the other side of him, on our D-end, I went with fan favorite Jarrett Johnson. And I think some of these, I mean, I said the, I said offense was, uh, was a little tough to do. There was a lot of really tough, uh, defensive ones. I could have went Adelius Thomas there. I could have went Michael McCrary. Uh, I went with Jared Johnson fan favorite. He was still very productive, um, for his nine years. Chris has, Chris has thrown his arms up. Like he has no clue who this is. <laughs> No idea. Um, just a guy who really set the edge really well, played exactly what we expect. Um, most of the time he played outside linebacker, but I kind of cheated a little bit on this one because I wanted to include him in there. Um, <laughs> he started out with them really as quick. A, yeah, if you had included a guy like Adelius Thomas, I don't know a, a lot about Adelius Thomas, but that's a name I know. But like Jared Johnson, like the, the generic, like I'm going to just, throw this guy in like Jared from subways on, on the starting defense. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I probably, in all honesty, I probably should have picked uh Adelius Tom or uh, Michael McCrary. He had uh, seasons of like 14 and a half, 11 and a half sacks from the edge. Um, Adelius Thomas, Jared Johnson, they kind of went back and forth um, and it, it kind of gets blurred a little bit on what they play because of that three, four, and whatever defensive coordinators with them, like, how are you employing them? Are they starting off the line? Are they doing like a more Terrell Suggs approach where he's like standing on the line and he's basically like a glorified extra edge rusher? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's who I picked there uh, in the middle. This one was tough for me. I'm a huge Brandon Williams fan. I think he's hilarious. He's funny. He's productive. But I went with the goose, Tony Siragusa, a big part of that. 2000s Ravens uh, team that won the Super Bowl. Uh, again, just really disruptive from that nose tackle position, stuffed the run really well. Um, I went with the goose. Now, linebackers, I had a little easier of <laughs> <laughs> a little easier of choices here. Uh, outside linebacker, I picked Terrell Suggs, iconic Hall of Fame. He's going to be in the Hall soon. Um, just everything you want in a player beside him, middle linebacker, Ray Lewis, the greatest middle linebacker to ever play the game. That includes Bobby Wagner when he's done. Uh, <laughs> uh, you don't need to hear an argument from me. I mean, yeah. all respect for, for Ray. Bobby's great, but um, I, I think I was talking to, you know, uh, one of the guys on, on Twitter from, um, from a Seahawks fan. And, and I was like, he, he brought up um, Bobby versus Ray. I think this is when we were talking about Bobby versus, versus Marlowe. Was it or uh, Bobby versus, versus Marlowe? Marlo. Yeah. yeah. He brought up Bar Bobby versus Ray. And I'm like, it's not even a conversation. Like, it, yeah. it, you know, I love Bobby, but it, it's Ray. Yeah. Uh, look, Bobby could, if he played for another, what, like 10 years, <laughs> and like one another like he he has a long way to go and it's not even fathomable at this point 
and and that's the thing is like as good as Bobby has been, he has never dominated the game right. the way that Ray did. Yeah, especially those early years, man. Like just that's what I mean. Dominated. Like, Ray in his prime, Bobby in his like it's just again Bobby's great, love Bobby, but yeah. um yeah, like you said, uh, Ray is one of the greatest of all time. And then uh, the other middle linebacker, this is where I had a little trouble. I think it for me anyways, it was between Bart Scott and CJ Mosley. Um, part of me didn't want to pick Mosley because he was only there for five years. But in those five years, he went to four Pro Bowls. Uh, he had years of almost 100 tackles every single year. He had one year where he missed a couple games and had 92, but he had 133, 132 combined tackles. Like, he was just a machine in the middle. Uh, he was a former Alabama player, so that one I liked a little more. So I went with C.J. Mosley for my other middle linebacker, and then my other outside linebacker, I went with uh, Peter Bulware. And yeah. so another big part of that early 2000s, uh, Ravens Super Bowl team. He had, he was just so productive off the edge. Um, he played the left side. He played the right side at the end of his career. He had uh, three years of double digit sacks. Highest was 15, uh, 70 total sacks in uh, his career in Baltimore. Uh, so I picked Peter Bulwer. Corner is where I had the toughest time with it. Um, I did pick Marlon Humphrey. I've talked about Marlo enough. I think he's done enough in a short enough career and his trajectory, kind of how you picked um, uh, DK Metcalf last week. I'm picking Marlo as one of my corners. And the other corner, this is where it was tough. I had Ladarius Webb, uh, Jimmy Smith, uh, Dwayne Starks. I got to mention Deion Sanders in there, even though he played <laughs> towards the tail end. Uh, of his time, but I went with Chris McAllister. And this was a guy who, again, had some seasons on the right, mostly on the left side, um, was just, you know, had seasons of five interceptions, four, six, three. Like, he got his hands on balls. Uh, he, you know... He, he did what? He, yeah, he did what? <laughs> uh, he, he, he was a good tackler on the outside as well. So I went with Chris McAllister. He had his hands on balls. You're right. <laughs> uh, free safety, not even a question. The greatest free safety to ever play the game. Ed Reed, my favorite player. The most fun player I have ever watched in my entire career, including Ray. Um, I enjoyed watching Ed more than Ray. And then for my strong safety, it was a little tough. And I don't want to say this because he played with Pittsburgh for 10 years, but he came over to Baltimore for four years. He helped us win a Super Bowl uh, in his four years with Baltimore. He was a pro bowler three times. I picked Rod Woodson. Um, yeah, he came there when he came to Baltimore. He was 33 years old and he still put up three seasons as a pro bowler. Then when he went to Oakland, he was actually a pro bowler and an all pro that year <laughs> at 37 years old. Um, yeah. Rod Woodson, just a difference maker in all aspects of it from the strong safety position. Uh, he had a season with seven interceptions. 
like just oh, just so exciting to watch um you know you got to watch him and Dion together was kind of fun so that's my all 11 team uh who do you have chris um yeah um Haloti Nata. Um, yeah. I didn't realize he was a D end. I thought he was strictly a D tackle. No. Um, so that that one kind of threw me for a bit of a loop. Um, and I guess talking about your your you know your guy, your favorite player, your 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 boy number twenty, Ed Reed. Yeah. Have you ordered that jersey yet? No, I haven't. Dude, I come know. on. Now, you are nobody to talk about ordering jerseys yet. Uh, but I have mine. Yeah. Now you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I, I was, uh, got a you know one of those targeted um, Facebook ads. Uh, I think today and it was like DK Metcalf green jersey, and I'm like, do I need another one? I'm like, I kind of do need another one. Like maybe <laughs> I should gre- order a green one. <laughs> You've earned it. I haven't yes. yet. You've haven't yet. Um, anyways, uh, my Seattle Seahawks starting eleven all time defense. And again, I'm going with a 4-3 model because historically that's what they've played. Um, Starting on uh, defensive end, I am going with uh, Jacob Green, uh, who is before my time. I mean, he played in Seattle from 1980 to 1991, um, but he's impossible not to include because he has... 115 sacks uh, in his career with Seattle. So can not not include Jacob Green. Um, And I mean, every all kind of all time uh, Seahawks team has always included him Um, on the other end. I have and this one I struggled with. Uh, for defensive end, um, I kind of went back and forth between Cliff Averill. Um, I, I, I always like uh, Grant Wistrom from those kind of uh, early to mid 2000 Seahawks. Um, he was there when they went to the Super Bowl run in Super Bowl 40. Um, but I had to go a little more current uh, and include Michael Bennett. Um, he was just, he was so dominant when he was in Seattle. He was very versatile as well. He could play inside or outside, uh, depending on on where they needed him and what they needed him to do. Uh, so I had to include him and just to backtrack a little bit on Jacob green, uh, fun fact on Jacob green, his son-in-law is, uh, red Bryant who also played for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, So I just want to quickly (laughs) include that. Um, D-tackle, and this is where I cheated a little bit, kind of like you did with with Rod Woodson, um, where, you know, last week on offense, we both kind of wanted to include guys that, um, you know, made an impact with our teams. They didn't just, you know, play a few years there before they went on somewhere else and made an impact or kind of ended their careers in Seattle, like um, Jerry Rice, for example, that I didn't include last week. Um, But John Randall, um, Mm. he came over from uh, Minnesota and spent three years in Seattle. Uh, But those three years in Seattle from the D tackle position, he still had 23 and a half sacks. Um, so he was still super, super, um, you know, contributing. He was, he was very 
effective. Um, and he is a Hall of Famer, but obviously he's in the Hall of Fame with Minnesota. Um, the other D tackle, this was obviously a no brainer. Um, anyone that's, uh, and I don't have to, you know, it's Cortez Kennedy. I mean, duh. He's Tez is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Tez uh, is the Defensive Player of the Year from 1992, which uh, Steve, you may not know this, uh, but and and some others might not know, know this as well. The Seahawks went two and fourteen in 1992, and Tez still won Defensive Player of the Year. Ooh. Like. If that doesn't doesn't tell you how dominant Cortez Kennedy was, uh, not only in his career but in that season, um, I don't know what else does. It's kind of like the Ravens winning a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer throwing the ball for them. <laughs> how good that hey, defense had to be. <laughs> Seahawks legend Trent yeah. Dilfer. <laughs> uh, man, I'll I'll never forget when he was in Seattle and like Mike Holmgren just couldn't decide who his starting quarterback was going to be, and he kept. <laughs> Flip flopping between Delfer and Hasselbeck. That's funny. That was uh, that was kind of right around the time that I started watching uh, Seahawks football. Um, middle linebacker. This one's not going to surprise anybody. I've got Bobby Wagner. Um, it was really hard not to go with Lofa Tatupu because I I really love Tatupu. I mean, I, I named him as one of my you know two thousands captains, um, but Bobby Wagner's the the best linebacker. Um, the Seahawks have probably ever had outside linebacker. Um, I'm going KJ Wright, um, which might be some recency bias there. Um, you know, he had a really good season last year. I'm, I'm can't believe the guy's still a free agent uh, and hasn't signed anywhere yet. Um, but I mean, he's just he's been the you know model of consistency throughout his career in Seattle. Um, the other outside linebacker, and I almost cheated here, actually. I almost said Lofa Tatupu, um, just to <laughs> include him on this all-time 11. Um, but I went with Leroy Hill, um, another uh, linebacker from those kind of uh, mid-2000 years um, when the Seahawks went to Super Bowl 40. Um, it was really hard not to include Bur- Bruce Irvin there. Uh, but again, Bruce Irvin, I, I felt like that was cheating a little bit as well, just because Irvin was one of those guys that uh, was probably more of a pass rusher than he was an actual linebacker. Cornerback, uh, this probably isn't going to surprise anybody either. Uh, I've got uh, number 25, Richard Sherman. Uh, he was a no-brainer. I mean, I've got his picture behind me here. Uh, you know, the the infamous tip uh, versus uh, the 49ers uh, back in 2013, 2014, whatever, whatever year the Seahawks won the Super Bowl 48. It's a, I always get like, you know, it was the 2013 season, but the game actually happened in 2014. So, yeah. like, what season did it actually happen? I, I'm not really sure. I do the exact um, same thing with the Ravens one, too. Yeah. Always. Right. So it's. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Anyways, Confusing. Sherman Sherman was a no-brainer, which actually um, I, I saw a thing on Instagram earlier to, earlier today that uh, Sherman was out hiking some mountain with uh, Jermaine Curse and, and Doug Baldwin, which is kind of cool to see that he was 
out, get some exercise and hang out with his, you know, with his boys and, and, uh, you know, everyone had a smile on their face and they were making jokes. So, nice. uh, hope, uh, Sherm is, uh, you know, doing okay. And, and, uh, his, his mentals are, are all right as well. Um, the other cornerback position, um, again, I felt like this one was a no brainer. And, um, I mean, he spent seven years in Seattle. He was a Seahawks draft pick. So, Again, I, I don't feel like I'm really cheating here on this one. Um, Sean Springs. Okay. Yeah. It, again, that is uh, kind of before my my time of watching the Seahawks. So I, I, I don't like. I, I remember Sean Springs with the um, with the Redskins, um, the you know now Washington Football Team, um, but. It, had again had to include him couldn't really think of anybody else to include um byron maxwell was good in seattle uh brandon browner was good um there's marcus trufant maybe could have been the only other guy that i think maybe would have had a that legitimate shot over sean springs um free safety uh earl thomas no brainers no brainer. Yeah. There's so many like, just like, well, yeah, like no kidding. Um, of course you're including that guy. And, um, I, I really struggled on offense and you can tell by how quickly I'm going through this list on defense. Like there, there wasn't a lot of questions for me, um, on defense. I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people don't want to include Earl Thomas because of how it ended, uh, with him flipping the bird to, to Pete on the sideline after he broke his leg. But I mean, that's, that's that's sports baby that's emotions get the best of guys and um and if you happen. said anyone other than earl thomas there i would question you so hard like uh, who cares whether he he flipped the team and or whether it was carol or the team or management whatever it was he was the best free safety there like they yeah. were they were so dominant so I mean, unbelievably dominant he got for a number of years you know, comparisons to Ed Reed. Right. And a lot of people say that Ed Reed is, you know, one of the best, if not the Me. best yeah, safeties to ever play in the NFL. Um, so to get comparisons, and I even see people now being like, bring Earl back. And I mean, hmm. I wouldn't hate it. I, 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 I hate seeing the way uh, things ended for Earl. I'll, yeah. I'll say that much. Um, and lastly, uh, strong safety, strong safety, excuse me. And uh, I don't know if people are going to get mad at me for this one. You might not understand. Um, I feel like most people will probably agree with me on this. Uh, it's not Cam Chancellor. <laughs> oh, Bam Bam was one of my favorite play, like favorite non-Ravens players was Bam Bam. Yeah, it, don't, it, it, I, I had Cam in this spot initially um, before I went back and I looked and saw the guy that should have been included and the guy that I did include um, because Cam didn't have a career even close to this guy. And it's Kenny Easley. Um, Kenny Easley, he's in the Hall of Fame. He is a three-time All-Pro. He's on the hall of fame all 1980s team he also won defensive player of the year back in 1984 for the seahawks um everyone says that you know 
Kenny Easley was was Cam Chancellor before there was a Cam Chancellor. Yeah. Uh, one of the hardest hitting safeties of all time. He was, you know, a uh, uh, you know, a lot of people always kind of said that Cam was like having a linebacker playing the safety position. Um, you know, the the size of a linebacker, the hitting ability ability of a linebacker. Uh, but the speed of a safety and and the awareness of a safety. Well, apparently that was Kenny Easley as well. Um, so I I had to go with Kenny Easley uh, as much as it uh, you know pained me not to include Bam Bam because I I I mean I love Bam Bam just as much as the next guy. I mean even you said it like Cam Chancellor is one of your favorite strong safeties and you're not even a Seahawks fan. So I wanted to include him. Um, because I've I've seen him play and I didn't see Kenny easily play, but I I just couldn't exclude him. Yeah, fair. I mean, my defense has two guys that are are uh, defensive player of the years, um, both with the Seahawks at, at least. I I don't know about you know, I don't know if John Randall ever won one. I know Sean Springs didn't win one. Um, so yeah, Thanks. that's uh, yeah. I I feel like you and I went through defense a lot quicker because we our our teams have been more defensive heavy or defensively focused with strong run games uh so it you know some of those spots i feel like i could have picked for you and you could have picked for me uh just as easily so again guys i i know i took quite a bit of flack last week uh for picking ray rice over uh jamal lewis <laughs> i'm sure there's going to be something in there that i take flack for but you know, if you disagree with me, shoot me your your eleven. Shoot Chris your eleven. If you're a Seahawks fan, if you're a Packers fan, shoot us your eleven. Uh, it'd be fun to go research some Packers stuff, or you know, if you're a Vikings fan or whatever, uh, it would be fun to go and and look at some of those and and get in those conversations. It, it was a lot of fun for me. So we will move on to our final portion of tonight's episode and that's the mailbag we got uh a little lighter today but still uh still quite a few cues coming in uh we'll start with liam since you almost let me forget him last week uh for not (laughs) running our instagram and so you can find liam on instagram at liam.haggerty says who got missed in the Madden 99 club this year? Give me a name. Rapid fire me. Uh, I don't feel like any. Uh, oh, you're wrong on that. Quentin Nelson. Yeah. Quentin, do you think so? Like, really? Yes. I don't know. Like, he is. You need to watch some more Colts games, dude. This guy is dominant. Like, he reminds me of Marshall Yanda. That's how awesome he is. Just big, okay, mean, nasty. That's my 99 was, that you missed. Was Marshall Yanda ever in the 99 club? Like, no, but he should have been. It's just because I he's just, a guy. I, I, don't, I don't feel like Quentin Nelson's, like, he's not a Mahomes. He's not a Jalen Ramsey. Like, he's not a Devontae Adams. Um, yeah, you know, the, the line maybe, players never really get that, like sexy recognition as the other guys do so you're you're right like i mean maybe if there's a guy like if i could say that there's a guy that maybe shouldn't have been included like and no shade to him but maybe i wouldn't have included travis kelsey this year 
Um, just because I feel like that tight end position is a little bit closer now than it ever really has been as far as like, you know, who's who's the, the top dog. Um, I just feel like with Madden lately, because they've been handing out these chains and gift packages for who gets this exclusive 99 club, that they've kind of missed out on the point of having like a a game with ratings like if you are the best player at your position, you should be a 99. So if you're the best guard, that means you do everything that a guard is expected to do. So from that position, you should be a 99. There shouldn't only be a handful of 99s. There should be. And if you want to just give it to one player, like only one quarterback can get 99, only one running back, like that's fine. But to not give it to say even a punter, Whoever the best punter in the league does punting at the best top level in the NFL. Well, why isn't that a 99 for punter? Yeah, make Michael Dixon a 99 already. Well, Sam Cook actually. <laughs> Kick but circles like, around. You, you, you have a good point. Like, why isn't Aaron Rodgers a 99? He's the reigning MVP. Right. Maybe Rodgers would be my other pick. Yeah. He had the best season. Maybe um, no, it's my pick. Stop stealing my picks. Okay. I, well, I took Quentin Nelson. That's fine. Um, <laughs> he also said, how are you okay with Wilson at 94 and Lamar at 91? I, I'm okay with it. I, I I'm don't not put a lot of value to, into it. Like, I don't yeah. really care that much. I, if I were to guess, like, he pro like, my perspective of Lamar is he had a bit of a down year from his, you know, MVP season. So yeah, you know, I don't expect him to be a 99. The one that kind of shocked me was, you know, his speed. And again, I don't know what the speed is, if it's like speed in the game or if it's speed of a quarterback. Uh, But I think he had like 96 speed and 96 acceleration. And I was like, who's going to catch that dude? Like (laughs) apparently Tyreek, because he could beat Usain Bolt, but um 90 i play a lot of madden 96 acceleration 96 speed that that's definitely it's like a cheat code you know yeah it's upper echelon like that that's that's really fast like there's not a lot of guys uh especially on the defensive side that are going to match up with that 96 speed fair uh his second question, and I cursed him off air for this one. This is a nasty <laughs> question. How would you rather live the rest of your lives? So Chris cheering every time San Francisco scores. So every time the Niners score, you have to cheer. Or if you don't choose that, you are not allowed to cheer anytime Seattle scores. And obviously the same thing. Uh, I I have to cheer every time Pittsburgh scores or never cheer when the Ravens score. What do you pick? It's not even like no brainer, easy. Um, As soon as I saw the question, I was like, I absolutely cannot, will not cheer when the 49ers score a touchdown. So I will take the Seahawks um, scoring a touchdown and I cannot cheer about it. Yeah, same thing. There will never be a time that Pittsburgh scores and I will ever cheer. So if that means I silently have to be happy for my team, so be it. That's okay. And I was just going to say that, like, even if I'm not outwardly cheering inside, Chris still Chris feels happy. Going to a game would be a little different, wouldn't it? 
What's that? Wouldn't going to a game be a little different, though? It, yeah. Yeah, I guess it would be. Um, like, could I, like, at least, like, stand up and, like, appreciate all the people around me cheering? Like, I, or... like yeah. again, you're happy. You just can't, can't outwardly, like, clap your hands and yell and scream and cheer, right? Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Marquise, uh, one of the boys at uh, Cover 4. Do the Packers go after Xavier Howard? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I I could see it actually. Like, not like initially, I was like, no way, no, like they can't make it work. Um, but I I, I do feel like they might go kind of all in this season because a lot of work, a lot of rumors are saying that this is going to be, you know, this is the last dance, um, you know, after the season, Aaron Rodgers is going to pull a Tom Brady and take his talents to South beach, maybe. Um, Uh, so yeah, they, they absolutely could make a, make a move for Xavier Howard. I don't know what it's going to take to, to land something like that. Like maybe it's going to cost them their rookie cornerback, uh, out of Georgia. I can't think of his name right now, but I know what school he went to. Is that what it is? What's that? Eric Stokes. Stokes. Yeah. 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 That, that's who it was. Um, yeah. That's so, kind of what I was yeah, thinking. I, I was like, they just drafted a guy in the first, like Kevin King wasn't the greatest, but you know, he's a serviceable corner. You've obviously got, uh, a lockdown on the other side is not going anywhere. So I, I don't know if I can see that happening. Um, yeah. Uh, his second question do fans make a big deal out of training camp? I think absolutely they make a huge deal out of training camp. And I think this year you're seeing it so much more because last year we didn't get training camp. We, we're, we've we been so starved of this behind the scenes that we we want to not only be in touch with our team, but like... I don't know about you, Chris, but uh, a lot of the Ravens people that I follow were posting uh, their videos and their pictures from M&T Bank. And part of me was happy for them. Like, cool, you guys are awesome. But also, like, stop because I really want to be there also. (laughs) Like a huge jealousy (laughs) bug came over me. So I I think this year, more than anything, uh, they're making a huge deal of training camp because they get to actually go there, too. Like, they're just amped up for it. And it's awesome. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I've always wanted to go to training camp. Um, my, my dad and I have talked about it, you know, for a, a number of years, just to go down there, check it out, and and just be there, sitting there. Like, you, you kind of get more interaction with the players uh, in that kind of atmosphere. But yeah, absolutely, fans make way too big of a de- uh, of a deal about training camp. I mean, you and I were talking about it. Uh, already earlier tonight, um, you know, of, of uh, Bateman um, burning Marlowe. And, but like, they don't have pads on yet. So let, let's see what actually happens when they have pads on. Um, I will, I guess, take a more account or more, I'll, I'll give more credit to the preseason games. Training camp, I, yeah, it's, I follow it. I don't put a lot of weight on training camp. Um, it, I, I think the preseason games m- mean more. 
but yeah, like you said, everybody loves training camp, especially this year. Didn't have it last year, so it's just like, oh my god, did you see that Rashad Bateman? Like, holy crap, he's so fast, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's so good, he's like Marlon Humphrey, couldn't even stop him. Like, yeah. it's just, it's calm down, guys. To be honest, I, I kind of like it. It's kind of fun. Like it's getting me back amped into it, even though I like I don't put a, a whole lot of stock into it as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you this question because I don't play Madden. But his next question is who's Madden ra- ranking or rating surprised you? Um, off the top of my head, because I didn't really look into it too much. Um Bobby Wagner's. I think he's rated a, a 92. Uh, he's the third ranked linebacker. Fred Warner's number one, which recency bias because <laughs> he just got paid. Uh, Levante David is number two and Bobby's number three. So that mm. one kind of surprised me a little bit because I, I, you know, I, I, I like Levante David. Um, Bobby's definitely still ahead of Levante David. You could make an argument about Fred Warner because he's younger, so he's probably got like a higher speed rating than Bobby does. Um, but I just want to say this: well, like whoever releases these Madden rankings, like these are the top ranked quarterbacks, running backs, safeties, linebackers, blah 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 blah. Like whoever's doing that is a mad genius. Because the amount mm-hmm. of free advertising oh, you're getting off, off of that. Do they ever. Because you're getting players tweeting, being like, like Quandary Diggs wasn't included in like the, the top 10 safeties. And Quandary Diggs is like, whatever, like your, your game's been trash for years. Like I haven't even played Madden in blah, 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 however long, right? Like, so like you're getting players saying that their ranking's trash. You're getting fans that are just pretty angrier even than the players being like how dare you not include yeah. this person and like how dare you say this person's better than that person and like and i mean it, it can be like i just said like little minor factors where it's just like a speed ranking could bump that guy a little little right. bit higher than bobby wagner for example um th- yeah like the amount of free advertising they're getting just because people are bitching and moaning on Twitter about uh, about their favorite player rankings or their favorite team rankings, which um, th- that one I get a, a, a kick out of actually. So the NFC West, I, I can't remember how it played out. I think the Cardinals are number one with the highest ranking in uh, Madden 22. And somehow the team that won the NFC West last year, the Seattle Seahawks, have the <laughs> lowest ranking of the four NFC West teams, which I will, I guess, say like the 49ers suffered a lot of injuries last year. So like maybe I'll give them a bit of a pass there, but again, it's just, you're just putting out these rankings to get people riled up, get people talking about your game and saying like, can you believe this crap? Um, I think it's hilarious. I think it's absolutely yeah. so when I when I was in university and I actually had time to uh, play Madden, I think it was Madden 10, the one with Breeze on the cover. Uh, we would always I don't know how many seasons we played, but we would start like a, a fantasy draft season and we would always be choked at whoever got 
like there would be like three or four of us would would have our team and when we were ready to draft um we always went for guys like Jason Pierre Paul was a rookie that year and I think his overall was like an 80 but his speed for an edge rusher was like high 80s 90s so it didn't really matter what his overall was you'd trade like a fourth round pick and get Jason Pierre Paul and you'd get like 25 sacks for you and you'd go and trade for Taylor Mays who was like a 71 but his speed was like 97 so he could like make up ground anywhere and you'd like free safety blitz Taylor Mays all the time uh so yeah um Marquise's last question I'll take this one this is a super easy one does Khalil Mack need to leave Chicago for a ring yes they're the Bears (laughs) and Matt Nagy is the coach of the Bears and Aaron Rodgers as of right now still plays in that division so there's no chance Khalil Mack is winning a ring uh anytime soon maybe you know I, I think Justin Fields could be the answer there but uh not happening. Khalil uh, Mack probably has a better chance in Oakland than he does in <laughs> Chicago currently. Yeah. Uh, our last <laughs> question yes, here. I, I, I said Oakland on purpose. Oakland, yeah. <laughs> uh, comes from the Brody Sports Talk. So you can find them on Twitter at Brody Talk. Are you watching the Hall of Fame game? I am not. What about you, Chris? Uh, you know, it's on Thursday, um, Steelers, Cowboys, I'll probably put it on for a little bit just cause I'm excited to see some, some football again. Um, I'll, I'll, so yeah, I'll, I'll probably put it on. I won't play, pay super close attention to it. Um, it'll just be there. It'll be happening. I mean, it, it all depends as well as, you know, what's happening in the Olympics as well. Um, if there. you know Canada's playing or doing something important in in the Olympics, I'll uh, watch that first. So, and his kind of follow up question to that is, who will the game MVP be? <laughs> Some this is third a... string quarterback, probably. Yeah. Like who who cares? When I first saw that, I was like, oh, just give it to like Dak or something. And I'm like, wait a second, it's first preseason game. They're like they ain't going out there at all. So yeah, like the, the the starters will play like the first series, and then they'll quickly go to the backups and then even quicker go to the third stringers so do this do the starters even touch the field in those first games usually like the first series Hmm. maybe two series um so i guess look what is uh um oh god i can't even think of his name who's that guy that went from washington football team to the steelers quarterback oh dwayne haskins him (laughs) He's going to be the MVP of the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> oh, Dwayne. Sure. Let, let's give it to him. I don't really care. Yeah, uh, Yeah. Exa- exactly. Who cares? As long as, you know, I, I, I don't even care if the Steelers win or lose. I Preseason games, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, you're not much for training camp, but you'll show up and, you know, turn on a couple preseason games or maybe watch like the third and fourth ones later on. Um I honestly have very little interest in those training or the preseason games. The only thing I care about with preseason games is hopefully no one gets hurt. And hopefully those young guys who need the reps to get up to speed on NFL uh, speed get their time in. So as long as my team comes out healthy, uh, I don't really care about it because it means nothing. 
I, I like like I said, I, I, I put them on to see how the stars are doing. Um, maybe catch a little bit of the backups. And then my wife says, do we really have to watch this? And, uh, you know, we go and check and see what's on the PVR after that. So. <laughs> it's either that or The Bachelorette, right? Exactly. So maybe I will tune in every once in a while. Will you accept this rose? Yeah. Okay. Um, we're kind of out of time. We have answered all the mailbag questions. So thank you to you guys who uh, are consistently actually sending in the mailbag cues. Um, I wasn't able to repost it for some reason. I know you had a little bit of an issue with it, but Twitter was basically offline for me all day. Like I re yeah. I restarted my phone 185 times. Like I just was like, whatever, I'll, I'll leave it till later. I had to like delete the app, reinstall it. So um, maybe, maybe next week I'll try a little harder to, you know, get that in your guys' ear a little early so we can fill the mailbag up a little bit. But we do appreciate you guys uh, sending those in. Uh, as I always do, Chris, I'm going to give you the last word. Yeah. Um, please, guys, go um, sub- subscribe to the podcast over on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, leave a rating, five stars preferably. Uh, we would love a review because, I mean, of course, we're we're here for you guys. Um, so if you're not uh, liking what you're hearing, uh, let us know. And if you love what you hear, let us know. Um, you know, good and bad. We want to hear it all. Uh, give me a follow over on Twitter at PhillipsChris12. Give my guy Steve a follow at SSFisher87. Don't forget the podcast account at ballhawks underscore pod. You guys can, of course, find us on the uh, Dean Blundell network also. And as always, guys, go Hawks. Peace. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.